Well, our bail system has been such an important part of our legal system uh, since it began. It's been interesting to see uh, how uh, there are some movements now to try to uh, uh, reform it and even possibly eliminate it. uh, because uh, some people have said that it is uh, discriminatory. We're going to be talking today to uh, Jeff Clayton, who is uh, with the American Bail Coalition, about uh, about these possible changes, what it means to the justice system, and all those things. Jeff, good to have you with us on the program. Thanks, Bob. It's a pleasure. Yeah, uh, th- this uh, movement, uh, is it gaining strength to, to eliminate bail altogether, would you say? Yeah, I'd say I'd say it is, and it really was sort of kicked off uh, by Eric Holder uh, when he joined a uh, a uh, bail case in a little town called Clanton, Alabama, in January of 2015. And since it's just been uh, an onslaught uh, of legislation and, and lawsuits. Is this going on in, on the state level uh, in, in in these cases, or where where so far? Uh, so there, there, a case will be argued next Thursday in Atlanta before the U.S. Court of Appeals for the 11th Circuit. Um, that is Walker versus Calhoun, Georgia. And there a judge held that if, one per, if a person sits in jail one second longer because they can't afford bail, that it's uh, a violation of the Equal Protection Clause. And, uh, and that order is being tested. Of course, um, the American Bail Coalition and others hired uh, former U.S. Solicitor General Paul Clement to file a brief in the case. He doesn't think the theory is going to fly, but we certainly have that case. And then there's one in Houston and two out in California that are pending right now. Does that not undermine the whole legal system? It seems like it, 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 uh, it would allow a lot of people on the street that perhaps shouldn't even be there. Yeah, I mean, it's really a question of, okay, we could supervise these people. We could put them on ankle monitors. We could basically put them on probation. Um, but if we don't have the incentives in bail, regardless of whether it's a bail bondsman or just the financial incentive of bail, uh, folks aren't going to return to court. and You've got to do something about that. And certainly in the federal system where they don't use bail, monetary bail as much, well, they got the U.S. Marshal Service to chase everybody down, so it works. And so really it's a question of, you know, one, is it more fair, and two, you know, how much would it cost to go to the other system? And the costs, as we've seen, um, are, are huge. Yeah, what about those arguments that is discriminatory? Uh, how does your, what does your coalition think about that? Well, we think there's probably some people in some jurisdictions that are in jail and shouldn't be. And I think, you know, Mr. Walker's case maybe is a good example of that, where, you know, he spent 13 days in jail and $150 bail for, you know, walking while intoxicated in public. Uh, Legally, we don't think the theory flies because discrimination based on wealth, you know, wealth is not a protected class in this country like race or gender or national origin. So legally, we don't think it flies. But from a policy perspective, there's probably some improvements that could be made. Yeah, and uh, that well, that may be a part of what's is behind this. Certainly, the uh, uh, the judges have a lot of discretion because aren't the, aren't they pretty much the ones that set the bail conditions? Yeah, judges uh, generally have a lot of discretion to set bail, and uh, and that's a good thing uh, because it allows them to smooth out uh, different issues and sort of personalize you know the terms and conditions of release for each defendant. Yeah, it it does, and and uh, the. Uh, uh, the system generally, you know, and obviously there have been some egregious situations where uh, people have had just, you know, outrageous amounts of bail. And as you mentioned, probably that is a uh, something that can be addressed. And when that would these be a, a local statutes, state statutes, if that came to be, or how would that work, or would it be even federal? Uh, yeah, certainly the federal system could change itself, but for the most part, bail is a state and local issue. It's governed generally by state statute, and then certainly just, uh, you know, the 
case law surrounding, you know, what is the least restrictive form of release is really where it, where it, where it comes from. Would there be uh, more crime, do you feel, if this uh, changed drastically, the whole system? Well, you know, New Jersey's the first state to try it, and they started January 1, and I think what we're seeing is that, you know, if there's no bail, um, there's no other mechanism to keep somebody in jail other than to prove and have a mini-trial uh, by clear and convincing evidence that they're a danger or flight risk. And the reality is it's too expensive. And so what you're seeing is people getting, committing a crime, getting out, committing another crime, getting out, committing another crime, because the state just can't keep up with it. So I think it's, you know, exposure to recidivism over and over again that's the real issue. Yeah, and now tell us about that law again. Now, this started in January. Is there no bail at all, or what exactly? How, how does it work? Yeah, so originally when it was passed, it was, it was intended to sort of um, not let people languish, you know, because they were indigent and they couldn't afford it, and then to give judges and prosecutors a tool to deny bail altogether to dangerous people or people that we knew were going to flee. In the implementation of the law, unfortunately, all bail, almost all bail in New Jersey has ceased uh, since the law passed. And like I said, they're the first state to try it. So we're just, you know, it's the, the true laboratories of democracy at this point. We're going to find out here pretty soon whether it's going to work or not. And so far, I'd say that, you know, it's a mixed bag of results. Yeah, and you're saying that recidivism is going up and because there's really no, you know, you can go into jail, you know, get, get a free meal, be out, whatever it happens to be, and then be back on the street again very quickly in most cases. Do the judges right. have any leeway? Do, do the judges have any leeway at all regarding that? Or? They, they do under, the, under, you know, the state laws that pass, but under the Attorney General's current directive, you know, basically a prosecutor has to pick up a phone and get permission from an attorney general to request bail. Otherwise, they got to prove it up that the guy, you know, have a mini trial or the guy's released, period. Wow. What do you think uh, with, with Jeff Sessions and the new administration will happen with this? Has he uh, made any comments on it? No, and we're hoping he does, obviously, because the U.S. Justice Department filed a statement of interest in, or an amicus brief in the case that's going to be argued next Thursday. So we're hoping that, um, you know, they will consider reversing course. I think. From a federalism angle, I think this administration is probably likely to say it's not our job to intervene in state bail policy, and I think that's probably right. You know, regardless of where you come down on this issue, it's not a federal issue; it's a local issue, and let local people design their bail systems within the contours of the Constitution. Yeah, and would that ever go to the Supreme Court then, or would that uh, be kicked back? Probably kicked back to the local courts, I would think, or local legislation. Yeah, I think the. Um, Certainly the 11th Circuit case or any of the cases out in California or the one in Houston could go to the U.S. Supreme Court on this. I can't afford my bail. It's discriminatory theory. But otherwise, it's all primarily a state issue. Yeah, well, we know, too, uh, the very liberal nature of the uh, Ninth District out there and some of the things that have been going on there for a long time. So that's maybe where I would, one of the test cases is out there, I would think. Yeah, I think they were forum shopping, and I think they figured okay, we'll probably lose in either the 5th or the 11th circuits because they're conservative, and maybe we can win one to create a circuit split and get us a pathway to the Supreme Court. And obviously that was probably a strategy that was designed before anybody thought that Donald Trump had a yeah. chance. <laughs> yeah, right. And now I, you know, I think that that's probably not a very good strategy at this point because if they lose in the Supreme Court, the theory is dead, and the theory is dead forever. And so I'm not sure they want to do that now uh, because otherwise the movement would die. Right. So, and whereas they could do it uh, theoretically on a local basis, 
even though it would have to do many, many cases, but it, it could be it could be done regional on the statewide level as opposed to uh, or local level as opposed to uh, federal level. Where, as you mentioned, once it's right. decided, it's decided. So, yeah. Interesting Absolutely. to see what happens. Well, Jeff, we want to thank you for talking to us here with the American Bail Coalition. And I'll give you uh, their website, too, AmericanBailCoalition.org, to kind of keep an eye on what's going on with this. Jeff Clayton, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Bob. Have a great day.